0: Oh boy, we are going to have some fun today. I love episodes like this, and I am just so excited to share some different thoughts with you guys. This is the second episode in the Fat to Fit short series, three-ish episode series. In the first one, we talked about fear, fear of change, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, And then nutrition, because if we don't overcome the initial fear, chances are we're not going to make any sustainable changes to our eating habits, right? We talked about how to start making changes to what you eat in a way that moves you towards your goals without making you miserable and without putting you into that all-or-nothing mindset that typically just exhausts us and sets us up for what we can all relate to, that compensatory overeating. And today, we are going to be talking about mindset. I believe with certainty that fat loss is a mind game. It is achieved or not based on your attitude, your thoughts, your words. That is what drives your action. So if you have a bad attitude, if you have negative thoughts and self-limiting beliefs, and you're always talking about how hard it is for you and how slow your metabolism is and what an emotional eater you are, I believe you will not achieve your goals until you change your attitude, your thoughts, and your words, because those things drive your choices, your actions. Tactically speaking, nutrition matters. Nutrition is the driver of fat loss. But based on my own personal experience and my work with my clients, it is the mindset, the attitude, and the perspective side of things that make you get to the point where you can consistently make those nutritional improvements. If you raise your expectations of yourself, if you are able to stop the doubt, the worry, the fear, the negativity, the excuse making, you can do anything in any arena of your life. And before we dive in, I wanted to mention something that I started doing on Tuesday. I've kicked off a special little thing on social media, Facebook and Instagram primarily, where every day I am posting a single question or mantra that you can ask yourself in these critical moments of decision to help you refocus on your goals and help you readjust your attitude towards something that's more beneficial to you. Because it's in those moments when we're internally debating the right choice versus the maybe not so right choice for our goals, it's in those moments that your journey is either created or destroyed. And so having these questions and these mantras has been a huge part of my own success, and it's something that I use with my clients every single day. So if you are a fan of the Primal Potential Fat Loss page on Facebook, you can see them there. Of course, they'll only show up in the feed for about 1% of you because that's how Facebook works. So you're better off going directly to the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page if you want to see them. Or if you're not a Facebook person or you prefer Instagram, you can catch them on Instagram where I can be found at Elizabeth Benton. Really tricky, I know. Trying to trying to fool you a little bit there, at Elizabeth Benton. You can find me on Instagram there. I'm going to be posting these every single day until the end of April 2016, for those of you that are listening in the future. Hey, hey, future people. All right, let's talk mindset. If you've ever done, and I if you're anything like me, This has happened a bazillion times. But if you've ever done the internal debate thing, trying to talk yourself into or out of or both a particular indulgence or a workout or anything at all, buying a handbag, you understand that the mind is a battlefield, that battles are won or lost with your thoughts, right? Your control, or lack thereof, of your attitude and your perspective is key, So many people put all of their focus and all of their energy on the nutrition and exercise sides of things, and they wonder why it's so hard. I want to explain it to you in a way that I do in one of the lessons in my Breaking Barriers course. It's kind of funny because, (laughs) true confession here, um, (laughs) can you tell that my shows aren't scripted? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I created Breaking Barriers, which is a self-directed. Online course um, on like how to take control of your thoughts, how to overcome these self-limiting beliefs. I created it because I needed it for me, right? Because I needed a place to go to when I'm feeling negative or doubt or when I'm making excuses or when I'm like, this isn't worth it, you know, bring me the cookies and the ice cream. I still, even though I created it, I go through that course in its entirety every six to eight weeks minimum because. That's why I created it, because I knew I needed it because the battlefield of the mind is what is going to make or break my journey for the rest of my life, right? So I give this example in the Breaking Barriers course. I go into more detail there, but it's going to allow me to hopefully make a very strong point here about why the mindset stuff is so critical. And I'm saying this to those of you who are just like, tell me what to eat, what should I not eat, and focusing all the time on nutrition and not getting the results that you want or not getting the consistency that you want, it's not a mystery, and I want to kind of break that down. Let's say that you and I are driving together. Okay? Just me and you in the car. And you're in the driver's seat. I'm next to you on your right in the passenger seat. And we are on the on-ramp to the highway. So like you do on an on-ramp, you're accelerating, right? And all of a sudden, the engine starts to rev. You know, like you can tell the car is working really, really hard. And I look at you and it's clear that you are just slamming on the accelerator as hard as you can. Lots of effort, right? And it looks like you're trying to use brute strength in your foot to make the car go faster. And I glance over at the center console that's between us. And I say, "Uh, hey, friend, so the parking brake is on and you ignore me. And the RPMs are going through the roof and you can hear the car just working so freaking hard. And I can see the grimace on your face. You've got the pedal pressed to the metal. And I'm like hey, friend, so why don't you just pull over for one second and release the parking brake? You're hurting the car and you're working harder than you have to. And you look at me and you say, no, we don't have time to stop. And I kind of look at you confused, wondering why it's not as obvious to you as it is to me. And I'm like, "Um, so, you know, we'll go a lot faster and it'll be a whole lot easier on you and the car if you'll just pull over for one second second." and release the parking brake because you're not going to release the parking brake while you're going 65 miles an hour. Right? And if you stop and you take my advice, you'll realize that when we get back on the road, you're not going to have to work near as hard to power the car. The car is going to go with a gentle effort. You'll be exerting yourself less, but the car will respond more than when you were flooring it with the parking brake on. Or maybe you're stubborn and you don't pull over, you're going to keep trying really hard, and you're going to be frustrated, and you're going to hurt your car, and you're going to waste fuel, and you're not going to go very fast despite your intense effort and determination. My friends, that is the exact equivalent to what we do when we avoid the mindset side of things, the exact thing. We are having our mental parking brake on, and we're trying, 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 flooring it, gritted teeth, willpower, white knuckles, enough. It's exhausting us, and we're not seeing the progress we want to see because we have our own internal parking brake on. We are slowing ourselves down, but just like removing the parking brake Isn't that hard once you recognize that it's on and you have to pause a second to do it? We can remove our own mental parking brake. We can remove these barriers that are slowing us down. And here's the thing, which is so awesome. When you do that, everything gets easier. I hear this from my clients all the time. When you win the mental battle, when you get control of the mindset side of things, you have won by default the battles over food. Because the battles over food, what are they? They're in your head. They're that self-talk, the excuses, deferring, delaying, justify. When you tackle the mindset stuff, the food stuff takes care of itself, right? And I'm always saying in Breaking Barriers, right, that that really breaking barriers has nothing to do with food, but it will have a significant impact on your food choices because fat loss isn't about knowing what to eat and when. It's about understanding why we eat and removing the limitations that lead us to overeat, that lead us to overindulge or justify or make excuses or delay. So let's get strategic. What I want to do today is share Six strategies that you can use to tackle your mindset to remove this mental parking brake so that you don't have to work so hard and feel like you're not getting anywhere, so you can do less and get more results. And the first one that I want to talk about is self awareness, and this is huge. I would imagine that you fall into one of two different camps number one is You're motivated and disciplined in other areas of your life, but not with your food choices or your health, and if that's the case, you're probably frustrated that you're doing the work in certain areas, but you haven't been able to do that work in an area, health or fitness or physique, that really matters to you. Or maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe your lack of motivation is pervasive in all areas of your life, but you're just as frustrated because you feel like you're stuck in apathy, in just sort of like the blahs. And why can't I just like create something better for my life? Now, I personally was in the first camp, right? But I work with a lot of people who are in both. Some people that are like totally crushing it in other areas of their lives and wondering, why can't I do that here? Or people who are just stuck in a rut in their entire life. Now, if you're in the first one and you feel like you're highly motivated and productive in other areas of your life, whether it's your relationships, your job, your finances, what I want you to do is think about those areas that you're really excelling in or tackling or you know, dominating, and I want you to tell yourself or tell me, you can email me and tell me, Tell yourself why you're so good at your job. Seriously, write it down. Or tell me what it is about you that has you in such great control of your finances. What makes you just such a rock star in that arena? Or if it's relationships, what is it about you? What do you do? How do you behave that makes you so awesome in your friendships or your romantic relationships? And I'll give you an example. I'm pretty sure I've shared... Well, I know I've shared this one before. I in my last job before I started Primal, I was really good at my job, and that's not my ego. I was just good at my job. I got repeated promotions because I was better than the average people around me. Not all of them, but I was better than average. I worked my butt off almost always. I was the first person in the office in the morning, the last one out in my department, I almost never took a weekend off, and it showed, right? I'm not saying that's the right way or the wrong way. That's not the point here. But my work ethic, my tenacity, it was rewarded. Now, at the time, I was obese. I was overeating and binge eating and making a ton of plans for weight loss that I didn't execute. I made plans at work and executed them. I made plans for myself and my health, and I didn't. So I had to ask myself, what's the gap? What was different? Think about this, guys. I really don't just like smile and nod and listen along. Really take the time, maybe to hit pause and go through this exercise for yourself. What was different about the way I approached my job versus the way I approached my health strategy-wise? What was I doing differently? This is how I want you to think about it. Sit down and think about whatever you're great at, parenting, your job, whatever. What makes you so good? What kind of characteristics do you bring? Or what kind of work ethic, skill sets, attitudes, mentalities, right? Pick one or two things that are clearly advantageous in the way that you approach that thing that you're good at, and ask yourself, if I had to apply this just for a week to my food choices or to my fitness, just to see what happens, just to learn and be curious, what would that look like, right? What would that look like? Begin to be a problem solver. What is this gap? And like, what is one or two things that I could apply just for a week to see what happens? I'll tell you how this worked for me, right? In my job, I was the one who provided ideas and solutions. I was the one that, you know, if I had to say what made me different is I stepped up And I stepped in. When everybody else would come to a meeting and just like sit there like a lump on a log, waiting to be told what to do or trying to fly under the radar, right, waiting for somebody else to do the work or somebody else to solve the problems, I would be the one proposing ideas and solutions. I would be the one saying, this is how we're going to do it, and then making sure it got done. But when it came to my health, I had to ask myself, am I the lump on the log in the meetings or am I the leader? Am I the person just watching everybody else work, or am I the person coming up with ideas and solutions and leading the charge to make sure they're executed? In my health, I was the lump on the log, totally opposite from the way that I acted in a business setting. So this self-awareness suggested to me that I needed to be more active in my health. I needed to take charge. So I was always planning, right? Like, I could do this and I could do this and I could do that. But you know what? It wasn't planning that made me good at my job. It was jumping in and doing in that moment, not waiting for the perfect plan, not waiting for somebody else to provide the perfect solution. I jumped in and said, let's do this and then made sure it happened. So in my personal life, with my health and my eating habits, I was a master overeater at night. I could eat clean all day long and then eat like four days worth of stuff in a four hour window after work. Right? But if I'm applying this strategy of like jump in and try something, jump in and do something, don't wait for perfection, just take the lead and do something, I could say to myself, all right, the problem is overeating at night. How can I jump in and do something here? Okay, tonight the plan is, after dinner, go upstairs and do something that makes you feel like you're taking care of yourself. Put a clay mask on your face, take it off, moisturize, braid my hair, put on my favorite pajamas, create more of an environment of self-care just to see if that helps me make better choices. Just out of curiosity, do that for one night. Or maybe I'd say, you know what? Okay, this is the problem. Overeating at night. Boom. For one night... I'm going to stay out of the kitchen after I clean up after dinner, just to see what happens. When I proposed solutions at work, I wasn't sure if they would work, but it didn't matter. It was just like, somebody needs to step up and try something here, and I was the one doing that at work, but not at home. So I began to do that with my health, but it stemmed from self-awareness, understanding and being honest with myself about what I'm doing well and what I'm not. Now... Not everybody feels like at this point in their life, at this moment in time, that they can point to something that they're really great at, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're screwed here. If that's the case, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is different between the way I am currently behaving, the way I am currently approaching this struggle, whatever that is for you, drinking too much, binging, overeating at night, drinking too much soda, whatever. What is the difference between... The way I am currently approaching my struggle and the way I want to approach this struggle. If I could design my perfect response to whatever my challenge is, what would it be? And then what's the gap, right? If you're currently overeating at dinner, how do you want things to go after dinner? Maybe you want to go to bed satisfied without snacking. So ask yourself, can I do that? for one day. Just one day. What's going to happen? Treat it as an experiment. Approach it with curiosity. What does it feel like? How hard is it? How would I rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? Take it as a one day, really a fragment of a day experiment. Do it for one day, learn from it, and adjust accordingly. You cannot change what you aren't aware of. So we have to practice self-awareness and brutal honesty with ourselves, give some thought to understanding the gap between where we are now and where we want to be, who we are now and who we want to be, what we have mastered and what we haven't yet mastered. The second strategy I want to talk about to get control of the mindset side of things is affirmations. This is huge. If you don't believe me, that's okay, but if you trust me, I want you to just pay attention to this because it is a game changer, not just for me, but honestly, for my clients too. They all say like, well, I thought I was a little hokey at first, but it has made a world of difference. We will never, ever exceed our own expectations We will never exceed our own expectations. So if you are telling yourself that you're a binge-eater, that you have no self-control, that you aren't motivated, that you're fat, that your metabolism is jacked up, okay, you will make choices that reflect that belief. I wasn't good at my job because I told myself all the time that I sucked at it, right? I believed I was motivated. I believed that I was a leader. I believed that I was a strategic problem solver, and my actions in my job reflected those beliefs. On the contrary, at the time, I was telling myself that I was a yo-yo dieter, that my eating was out of control, that I was the fat girl in the family, and I was. We become what we believe we are, and we will not and cannot exceed our own expectations. So if you want to change your actions, you must change what you believe about yourself. You must elevate your expectations to align with who you want to be and where you want to go. Your thoughts, your words, your inner dialogue, those things drive your actions, not the other way around. In breaking barriers, I require everybody to do a thought inventory. A thought inventory for 24 hours because oftentimes we're so used to the negative crap that we don't even notice it. It's so pervasive and constant that it's our normal and we don't even recognize it and that makes it all the more dangerous. The most powerful words in the world are those that follow I am. Because While we think we're just describing or maybe complaining, those words that follow I am, they are prescriptive. They are instructions to our subconscious. Your thoughts and your words are either bullets or they are seeds. They are either bullets or they are seeds. They are either tearing you down or building you up. And you cannot tear yourself down a hundred times a day and then expect in a moment of temptation to make a choice that reflects building yourself up. You've got to master the affirmations, the self-talk first. Now, this doesn't mean blowing smoke and telling yourself you're a Barbie girl when you're 400 pounds. It's not about telling yourself things that you don't believe are true. In fact, I think... Episode 69 of this podcast is all about the difference between positive thinking and power thinking, because many people think of affirmations as like blowing smoke and then internally rolling your eyes and being like, yeah, I'm thin. I'm beautiful. Life is great. Uh Uh-huh. That is not what I am suggesting. I'm not suggesting that you start saying 100 times a day, I'm fit and I'm lean and I'm oh so pretty. If you believe it, awesome. If you don't believe it, don't say it. But when you can't, what you can do When you notice thoughts like, I'm so out of control, or I look disgusting, I'm so fat, I can't stop eating, you can replace them with, all right, I'm making good choices today. That's what I do one day at a time. Today, I make good choices. Today, I care for myself. Today, I take one tiny step forward. If this is a struggle for you, I definitely want you to listen to Episode 69. I'll link to that in the show notes over at PrimalPotential.com. The third strategy I want to talk about is, and I'm, and I'm laughing a little bit because I'm going to get a little strong with you here, um, is opening your mind. Many of us have excuse or problem or challenge tunnel vision. We see our cravings. We see our fatigue. We see our temptations. We see our lack of time, our frustration. We see our self-doubt. We see our confusion. This is a very limited perspective and it will hurt you. It is hurting you. It's like going to a beautiful new city and focusing on the traffic or the graffiti or the humidity or the crowds. It's hurting you. And I'm not saying that you need to pretend that challenges and obstacles don't exist, but acknowledge them and practice expanding your perspective. Practice asking yourself, okay, what can I do here? This thing happened. How can I improve? You will stay stuck when you are in the habit of turning obstacles into excuses. If you're not stuck already, you will become stuck when you create the habit of turning every obstacle into an excuse. Working late, stress, hormones, emotions, family, friends, holidays. Guys, those are taking obstacles and turning them into excuses. You must commit yourself to training your mind to turn obstacles into opportunities. And this isn't true in fat loss alone. It's true in everything. The other day, in fact, I was doing an interview for a former mentor of mine, and it was about starting out with a new business, because obviously I have a new business. This isn't like a lifelong thing. I was sharing with her how destructive negativity can be, how focusing on failures or frustrations or obstacles can just be such a waste of time and paralyze you from using that time to do something good. And she said, she was talking about, like, if you have a product launch and it doesn't go very well. And she said, but, you know, it's so real. You have this launch and you need and you expected 20 people and you only got six. That frustration is real. And I said, okay, the situation itself is real, but the frustration isn't helpful. In that case, you've got three options. You can mope and complain, and that does nada for you. Or option number two would be hustle your face off and get 14 more people. If that's what you need, don't take the energy and put it towards complaining. Take that energy and hustle your little face off. Or what what's my default typically is, all right, so this happened. I've got six. You know what? Six could actually be the best thing that could possibly happen, because now I have more time and more attention to pour into these six, and I'm going to blow their minds. I'm going to exceed their expectations. Their results will speak for themselves. I'm going to pour every ounce of myself into these six, and then the ripple effect will be so significant that six months from now, I'll be thinking that was the best outcome possible. But we have to train ourselves. Instead of just having this negativity tunnel vision, see the obstacle. It happened, right? Understand it. We don't have to deny it, but then train yourself to expand, to see the potential opportunities. Let's say you get to your mother-in-law's for vacation and you open the fridge. No meat, no eggs, junk, right? There's just junk. Is that an obstacle? Of course. Now, from it, you have a critical decision. Hear me. There's an obstacle. You can either manufacture an excuse or manufacture an opportunity. The excuse would be, my mother-in-law just had junk and I ate junk because it was all she had. So at this critical point, you see the obstacle. It's there. It's real. You manufacture an excuse or you manufacture an opportunity. The opportunity is going to be, all right, let's look at my options here. I could go to a grocery store. Even if I don't have a car, I could find a way to get to a grocery store. Or I could treat it like an episode of Chopped and create the most fat loss friendly option, given the stuff that is available. Or I could treat it as great practice in eating less and learning what hunger feels like and trusting that it won't kill me and I won't starve. Challenges happen. They are real. Working late, burning dinner, somebody bringing home pizza unexpected. Okay, whatever, obstacle, challenge, whatever. Step two is, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to manufacture an excuse or am I going to manufacture an opportunity? Instead of complaining, ask yourself, if I could excel in this situation, how would I do so, right? What would it take for me to come out of this in a way that I felt really great about? If this situation could be tackled, how would I tackle it? The fourth strategy I want to talk about is, might seem a little bit odd and even a little bit negative, but stick with me. I think you're going to get it. It's what I call having a defensive approach. Defensive. Because many of us are incredibly permissive with ourselves, incredibly self-indulgent. Imagine if every time your kid said, oh, can I have that? Mom, I want that. Dad, can I get this? Mom, I want dessert. Dad, can I play on the iPad? Imagine if you said yes every time. Imagine if you said yes even 75% of the time. You would never. You are defense to your kid. Your kid is on offense, doing what kids do, asking for whatever appeals to them in the moment. You are the discretionary voice of reason for your child or your employees or whatever. You are the discretionary voice of reason. How about... We practice being the discretionary voice of reason for ourselves, not just, oh, Sarah brought in donuts. I'll have a donut. That's like deciding to get out of debt and then seeing a beautiful handbag, which I understand how tempting that can be, and then being like, well, it's pretty. Play defense. Put up a counter argument. Be the discretionary voice of reason in your own life. Ask yourself, what do I want? What do I want? What does this choice get me? Does it get me what I want? Write down what you want and carry it with you so you don't forget. So in the moment of what do I want, you're not like a donut. A donut is what I want, (laughs) right? If you have your goal, your objective, the person you want to be, the kind of choices you want to make, when you have moments of like, I don't know what I want. I think I just want that donut. I'm pretty sure 100%. 100% I just want that donut. Pull that note card out of your pocket or your wallet or your purse and be like, what I want is to feel amazing about my body. What I want is to feel in control of my food choices. Oh yeah, I want to feel like I have more control of temptations than temptations have over me, so screw you, donut, I don't want you. And even if you begin with just one question as a counter move, that's a great start. Even if the question is, well, what do I want? Ooh, donut, looks good. Well, what do I want, right? That's a great start. And that's why I shared with you guys that Between now and the end of April 2016, I'm going to be posting those questions, one question or one mantra, every day on Instagram, where I am at Elizabeth Benton, as well as on the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page. These are perfect examples. You don't have to arm wrestle yourself to keep from eating the cupcake, right? You don't have to ask somebody to like tackle you if you pick up sugar, but I want you to practice stepping in and saying, okay, yeah, that looks tasty and I would love it, but hold up one second, Right? Ask yourself that question. They'll slow you down enough to help build in that pause, especially because so many of us feel like there is no pause. We just go from impulse to action so quickly that the opportunity to make a good choice isn't even there. So this is something we get better with, better at when we practice being the discretionary voice of reason in our own lives. The fifth strategy I want to talk to you about is not negotiating. When you set a goal for the day or an intention for the day, decide that it is not debatable. For those of you with kids, and I know I've said this before, if you tell your kid that they have to be home by 9 p.m., do you want them feeling like that's just negotiable at 8:45? Like they can just decide, well, maybe tomorrow. Right? Do you want them at 8.45 being like, well, I know we talked about that and they have this internal dialogue. Mom and dad said nine, but I'm having a great time. So maybe next time I'll come home at nine, but not today. They'll get it. Right? Your expectation at work and at home is that when you set a standard, it's non-negotiable. If your spouse commits to picking up the kids from school, how would you feel if 20 minutes before they said, you know what? I want to do happy hour. Tomorrow I'll be there on time, though. No, it wasn't negotiable. But we negotiate with ourselves all the time, and then our commitments don't mean anything to ourselves. We say we're going to the gym, and then in the moment, it's negotiable. We say we're going to pack the lunch, we're going to eat the lunch we packed, right? But in the moment, it's negotiable because our friends are saying, let's go to McDonald's, right? Practice not negotiating with yourself. And I'm emphasizing the word practice here. Once you've made a decision, practice not negotiating with yourself. Now, this is totally different from saying, Friday is my daughter's birthday, and I'm going to have a piece of cake. That is a choice. It is controlled. It is not impulsive, right? But when you have made a decision, that internal debate of like, should I, shouldn't I? Tomorrow, what can I do to make up for this? It's exhausting. Set a standard and stick to it for just one day. Maybe the standard today is that you are not going to have that handful of chocolate off your coworker's desk in the middle of the afternoon. You're not. So when that desire comes up and you start to have the internal debate, well, I didn't have that much at lunch and I'm really exhausted, no, nope, I'm not debating it today, I already made the decision. Or maybe you decide you're not going to eat after dinner tonight and that magical witching hour comes up, you start to think about it, shut it down. I already made that decision and just for today, I am not going to debate it. The last strategy I want to talk to you guys about is having a, what I call, micro focus. I used to have a macro focus, and I would sit down, and I'd be like, in seven months, I'm going to lose 70 pounds, and then I'd like plan things out, meal plans and workouts, and I'd strategize. I don't do that anymore. I really don't. I set an intention for the day. Now, I know generally where I want to go, but I'm not going to spend my energy planning out all the details. I set an intention for the day and I visualize it. Literally, when I'm in the shower or I'm brushing my teeth, I visualize that intention for my day and kind of the different decision-making points and how I'm going to navigate them. I see myself doing it. And then my focus is just on today, just on what I need to do today. And when I start to doubt myself or get tired or second guess, or when I just feel off, I remind myself of this is just a commitment for today. Like I can push through anything for a day, right? So I really want to challenge you to stop spending so much time figuring out how you'll do something later, tomorrow, next week, three months from now. Stop spending so much time figuring out how you'll do something later, and get to work on doing something today, even now. Less time thinking and planning, and more time doing. So I really think that these daily reminders, these questions or mantras are going to be super, super helpful for getting control of the mindset side of things. So you can see them on the Primal Potential Fat Loss Facebook page or by following me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. So I hope this was super helpful. The third part of the Fat to Fit series will drop on Saturday a few days from now, and that will be about fitness kind of the transition from maybe not doing much, where you go from there, how you know when to move on, how to move on, what is most effective. We'll tackle all of that in this next Fat to Fit series. And if you have questions, send them to me. And if need be, if I think that there's enough merit for it, I will do a QA and a episode next week. All right. Wrapping up with what I ate yesterday. Coffee, wouldn't you know? Hmm? More coffee. Started the day with coffee, and then uh, I didn't eat before my workout, but afterwards I was rushed. I had a bunch of calls I needed to get on. So I had a, a spoonful of coconut butter, um, which is a little bit different from coconut oil. I wouldn't want to eat straight coconut oil because it would be too oily. Uh, then I had a huge salad, like mixing bowl size salad with a piece of salmon that was maybe three or four ounces. And then later in the day, I had chicken salad on salad. Um, so lots of salad, lots of veggies yesterday. Um, not my favorite veggies, but they worked. I was busy and trying to balance a bunch of things. So anyway, we will be back with the next and probably final episode in this Fat to Fit series. I hope you loved it today. And hopefully I'll see you on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton or Facebook. Talk to you later.